Our scripture for this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. The word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Worship has been on my mind a lot lately, of course, as we are considering reopening for public worship. You see, Christians have always been called to worship God in the midst of trying circumstances, even in the middle of persecution, even in situations that have been difficult, Christians have always been called to worship God. Paul writes to the Christians in Rome, today giving them direction as to how to continue to live their lives in an attitude of worship. How do you live in a, in a culture, in a society where uh, it seems like they're always against you as a Christian and still continue to worship God in spite of persecution and illness and famine and needs and all kinds of things that they were facing. When he writes to them though, Paul doesn't want to write to them as somebody who's just coming over the top as an authority figure. He's not writing to them as, you know, you have to do this as a command. He says, I appeal to you brothers and sisters. He's asking them to consider what he has to say he says, consider this, consider what I have to say to you. He calls them brothers and sisters, which shows us that he is putting himself at the same level as each one of them. He's just another member of the family. You know, you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all part of the family of God under Jesus. And then he reminds them that they are all in this ministry because of the mercies of God. Because God in his infinite mercy sent Jesus Christ to offer us grace and forgiveness. Because God chose to forgive us by sending his son to the cross to take away our sins. Because God chose to adopt us into the family and make us part of the family. This message is so important for the people in Rome because there were so many Gentile Christians and so they had been on the outside and now they were on the inside. And Paul wants to remind them that they're only on the inside because of the mercy that God has shown them in Jesus Christ. We must never forget that it is by the mercy of God that we are here 
It is by the mercy of God that we do what we do and worship as we worship. It is by the mercy of God that we can serve the kingdom. It is by the mercy of God that we live and breathe if we follow Jesus Christ. God's mercy also serves as a blueprint for our mercy. We learn how to be merciful and loving and kind when we experience the love, mercy, and kindness of God in Jesus Christ. We look at how God loves and forgives us, and we're able to turn around and forgive and love others. Paul tells them to present themselves, their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which he says is our spiritual worship. Now, in Old Testament times, the sacrifice was always a perfect animal. You always brought the one that had no blemishes, no broken legs. It wasn't the limp one. It wasn't the one that was really skinny. It was the fatted calf that you brought. It was the perfect lamb that you brought. And this sacrifice was offered to cover the sins of the people. The animal took the place of the person to take the punishment for their sins. So what does Paul mean when he says that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice? Well, for one thing, he is not calling for dead sacrifices. He's not asking for us to become martyrs for the faith or any kind of self-destructive behavior. He's not inviting us to uh, die especially or directly. What he is calling for is for us to be living sacrifices. And the word living here is extremely important. He wants the, the people in Rome that are Christian to continue to live their lives for Christ. And in doing so, to give their lives to Jesus. He's talking about being living sacrifices because we are living the life that Jesus has called us to live. And we are sharing with others the life of Jesus that is in us. Paul calls us holy and acceptable to God as these living sacrifices. We are holy because in Christ, we have been separated from the world and the sin that was seeking to destroy us. We have been set aside for God's kingdom and purposes. We have been called into a new life and we have been made acceptable to God through the mercy shown to us in Jesus Christ. You see, at the end of the day, it is the righteousness of Christ that God sees when he looks at us after we accept Jesus. It is his righteousness that is attributed to us and makes us acceptable. It is his righteousness that makes us be able to join the family and be co-heirs with Christ. Paul calls this spiritual worship. It is more than just doing things right with our bodies. It is literally living every single moment to serve God and to follow Jesus. It is to understand that we are living under mercy and grace and that because we are living under mercy and grace, we seek to experience and share that grace and mercy with others. When he says that we walk by faith, he means it. I mean, it means that we are completely doing things according to God's will. Well, when we hear this, it would be easy for somebody to mistake Paul's word. It's meaning that, you know, it's all about the body. It's all about our stuff. It's all about the physical. And so Paul goes on to add, we should not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. 
in order to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, what he's saying is it's not just about the body. It's not just about your stuff. It's also about your thoughts. It's also about your intentions. It's also about what's in your heart. Everything needs to be God's. It all needs to be surrendered to him. You see, it is easier to just be conformed than to be transformed. It is easier to just take on the general culture around us. It is easier to go with the flow. It is easier to get along by being silent or agreeable. It is easier to do all those things than to experience true change and transformation in ourselves. To be challenged to look at things from God's perspective because that at times will put us at odds with other people. You know, nobody wants to be that person that is argumentative. We all want to get along. But sometimes being part of the kingdom of God means that we stand up for what is right before God, even when the world says otherwise. The call to transform is not an open-ended call, though. It is not just a call to change for the sake of change. It is a move towards aligning ourselves more closely with the will of God. We are being called to check to see where we are and where God is and to know what is good and acceptable before God, to God, and then to move to align ourselves with God's will and God's desire for our lives. Notice that it isn't what is good and acceptable according to society. It is not what is good and acceptable according to the majority. It is not what is good and acceptable according to political ideology. It is what is good and acceptable and perfect to Almighty God, who knows what is best. It is what is good according to His perfect will. And oftentimes, this is different than our view of what is perfect or what is good or what is acceptable. A lot of times we find ourselves at odds with God's will because we thought it was good, but God shows us otherwise. You see, discerning the will of God is one of our biggest challenges. To be able to tell God's voice from all of the other voices we are hearing is sometimes really difficult. It is hard to hear him in the midst of our daily lives when there are so, we're being bombarded by so many different messages in the media and online and through every possible avenue that we face. Paul explains that we have to discern the will of God in order to be able to align with it, that we do need to know what is good and acceptable to God in order to be able to seek it. And in order for us to do that, we have to transform our minds. We have to be renewed in our thinking to have the mind of Christ. Paul explains that this transformation happens in that renewing of our minds. It is when we seek to think like Jesus and act like Jesus and react like Jesus that we really are experiencing transformation and change in our way of thinking. To me, it is clear that the more we are like Jesus, the closer we are to the will of God. 
because Jesus came to share with us the kingdom of God and the will of God. What makes us good and acceptable and perfect as living sacrifices is not our many good deeds or works. It is actually our alignment with the perfect will of God expressed to us in Jesus Christ. It isn't even our contributions to the church. It isn't even our church attendance. It isn't even all of the things that we've done to help the needy or the poor. It is that we have really surrendered our lives to Jesus and are following him wherever he leads us. In Old Testament times, the sacrifice, the sacrifice had to be an animal without blemish, as I mentioned earlier. And when I look at myself, when we look at ourselves, I have to admit I don't see a perfect sacrifice. I see a flawed individual saved only by the mercy of God through Jesus Christ. And it is humbling to think that I have to present myself to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Yes, our quarantined, overweight, weary, tired, sick selves are a living sacrifice to God. Let that sink in. Praise be to God that through his mercy, he accepts us as living sacrifices before him. For Paul, being living sacrifices to God includes being active in the kingdom of God. He recognizes that we are one body in Christ with many members and that all members don't have the same functions, the same gifts, but that we all need each other, that we all need each other because we, we are made with different gifts. We have been given different tasks within the body so that we can build the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. Now, this shouldn't be news to any one of us. We have all heard this notion before from Paul that we are part of the body of Christ. What is interesting to me is that before jumping into the members of the body and their, their abilities and their functions and their gifts, Paul warns us, don't think more highly of yourself. Don't think more highly than you ought to of yourself because each member of the body is important and needed. Each of us has gifts and talents and we have to have mutual respect for one another in the body of Christ. And then Paul goes on to give us some of those gifts. He mentions them, prophecy and ministry, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, and compassion. He says, these are some of the gifts that you have in the body of Christ. And if you think about the earlier discussion that we had about being a living sacrifice, it seems that Paul is suggesting that part of our spiritual worship to God is the use of these gifts through the grace that God has given us. What he means is that when we teach, when we exhort, when we minister, when we give, when we show compassion, we are using the gifts that God has given us to build up the body of Christ, to promote his kingdom, and in doing so, we are living sacrifices to God. That worship is more than just a worship service or even a service project to help the needy. 
that worship, that true spiritual worship, is to give ourselves continually to God, to give ourselves totally, to really surrender not just our body, but our mind and our spirit, not just our time, but also our devotion and our intention, to really give ourselves completely and totally to Jesus. It is total surrender to be a living sacrifice. We as members of the body of Christ are to be transformers and not conformers. Let me say that again. We as the members of the body of Christ are to be transformers and not conformers. We are to be using the gifts given to us recognizing that we need each other in the body of Christ to bring about transformation in this world, to bring about the kingdom of God here and now. You know, whenever people tried to put Jesus in a box, they couldn't because Jesus was here to transform and not to conform. He wasn't here to be what people wanted him to be. He was here to be what the people needed him to be. And that was an agent of transformation and renewal and change. They needed a savior. And so he came as a savior who challenged them to leave their old lives behind and to embrace new life in him. As we continue to live through these trying times, I encourage you, to be a living sacrifice, to live each day giving yourselves wholly to God. Use your gifts to bring about God's kingdom and become living witnesses of the power of Jesus to change and transform lives. Whatever your gifts are, use them. Use them to build the kingdom of God. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for everyone out there who is seeking to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. We ask, oh Lord, that you will help to continue to move us, Lord, to give ourselves body, mind, and soul to your kingdom, that we will continue to follow Jesus wherever he leads us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.